Welcome to Featured Insights, presented by Caroline Economic Development. I'm your host, Debbie Bowden. This podcast is for all size businesses in Caroline County and the Eastern Shore of Maryland to learn from experts at the local, state, and national level. We hope that you gain insights that can help your business run more effectively. We had such a great conversation. This is, uh, we have Kathleen Freeman and Leslie Grundon back with us again. Um, last time we chatted, we talked about the comprehensive planning process and gave an overview of that. Um, and I think this is a good time to kind of wrap in other parts of the planning and codes office, just so that people have an understanding that it is so accessible and there it's not information that's being delved into behind any screen or closed door or anything like that. Um, and But there's a structure to it and there's a purpose to it. And so the the last time we chatted about the, the comp plan, the comprehensive plan, that's a policy document and that there are requirements for that. We didn't get into the comprehensive zoning element of that. Can you touch on that a little bit, Kathleen, and, and just cover that? Yes, absolutely. The um, comprehensive rezoning and just zoning in general in Caroline County is probably what uh, most people are most familiar with when they come into our department and they're trying to accomplish something. Gotcha. Nobody uh, typically looks at the comprehensive plan and says, well, it says here that there's a goal and I can do this. Um, Comprehensive zoning or just zoning. We have industrial zoning, commercial zoning, residential zoning, and um, rural zoning, which is kind of an agricultural and multi-purpose zoning district. So all of that zoning um, really says what you can do on your property, what's legally permissible, and it follows the policies that are laid out by the comprehensive plan. So when you come into the department with a project you'd like to complete or something you'd like to do on your property, the first thing uh, our staff are going to do is look at our table of zoning regulations and make sure that that's something you're allowed to do on that property. And that's online. Yes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll have a link and make sure that people can understand how to get directly to the Planning and Codes uh, website on the off of the county's website. Um, but we talked last time about customer service, and that's part of it. How much do you encourage people to have like already done their homework and have a good understanding of what they can do and what they can't do versus coming in and, and chatting with you or with the staff of, okay, this this is my idea, whether it's business or residential, can I do this? Well, obviously, to the extent that anybody can familiarize themselves with what is in the table of uses and what's permissible on their property, that makes the beginning of our conversation with them much easier. Gotcha. Uh, even if uh, there's something that, a project that somebody wants to do, and there's multiple places in the table of use regulations, it can get kind of confusing if you don't work from that from day to day. Right. Um, so if you don't think it's a possibility, we would still encourage someone to set up an appointment and come in and talk to us, or even if it is a possibility, but there are a lot of requirements and you don't understand everything, we would, in every case, um, be much happier to sit down with somebody and go over everything that's needed so that you don't end up in a situation where you're applying and being rejected and applying again and struggling through the process. We want to make it as efficient as possible for both us and the applicant. Exactly. And I think that when you're, when we're, when I'm talking to businesses, I hear that as particularly somebody's new to the county or coming in and they're just starting developing. Um, it feels like in some places, not just in Maryland, but you know, in our neighbor in Delaware, that it's always finding out the information by being told no, and then going back and 
being told no and going back and being told no. And I think your shop prides itself on asking the questions as best as you can to try to get all of the information out from from an applicant uh, to know whether or not it's something that can move forward. Um, so, Leslie, you deal in something that um, some people may not quite understand, um, and it, sometimes it has a it can have a negative connotation, although it is for protecting everybody, and that's the environmental side and stormwater management. Talk a little bit about that in context of the work that you do and the reason why Caroline County pays attention to these important elements of using the land and being on the land. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, I don't do the stormwater regulatory review. That's okay. Matt Kaczynski um, in the codes and of the department. Gotcha. Um, and that is that is a it can be a touchy area because there's a lot of regs. A lot of the regs are state regulations and we have to have we have to follow them because that's the law. The county has um, generally follows the state stormwater regulations and I think might have a few in addition to them. Yeah, we definitely follow them. Yeah. Well yeah, yeah. we do yeah. we do follow them. Um, what I do is work with private commercial municipal people to uh, especially over the last few years increasing rainfall amounts and um, the impacts from stormwater runoff whether it's damage to properties um, damage to shorelines uh, and that relates directly to water quality in the Choptank River and the Tuckahoe River so mine is the environmental angle um, trying to help people who, you know, we try to kill two birds with one stone, solve a, a real-world problem, whether it's flooding gotcha. um, or inaccessibility to property because of water coming up from tidal or stormwater. Um, and also putting in practices that help improve the, the quality of the runoff running into those areas, mm -hmm. rain gardens, bioretention, wetlands, those sorts of things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and those are all grant funded. So I encourage people who have those problems. I We have access to grant funding. And because this is becoming more prevalent, there's a lot more grant funding out there. So okay. um, and more and more, they're making it available to private property owners. Originally, it was just to government oh. properties. OK. Uh, but the, the funders are starting to figure out that this is just happening everywhere. And I gotcha. get a lot of calls from uh, individual property owners for help with that. So And so if it's a business or a resident, yes. that they can reach out to you then and you can work with and them. And I can work with them. And I help the towns with the, you know, they have people within the towns that are having the same issues. So I mm -hmm. do a lot of work both for in-town properties and for out-in-the-county properties. So we touched on this a little bit in, in the conversation we had earlier and uh, also with Crystal, when she was in here, but I think it's worth bears repeating because I still hear the county won't let me do something in the town of Denton. The county won't let me do something in Greensboro. Kathleen, can you give a primer on the difference between county and the town and zoning and regulations and the state, just all of that soup? <laughs> yes, definitely. So the municipalities in Caroline County, and again, there are 10 are independent. They have they are they have their own zoning regulations. They have their own uh, codes. Um, they still are obligated to follow the same state state regulations that the county follows. However, everything that they do within the municipal boundaries, at least almost everything, is separate from what is permitted and what is allowed outside in the county. Gotcha. Our zoning in many cases is very different. Um, in other cases, similar, but different because most of the municipalities are denser. They have smaller lots. They, um, in many cases, or in most cases, have water and sewer services, which is not available 
in the county. Right. So our regulations do not generally overlap. So if you um, are applying to do a project in a municipality, it's usually exclusively with the municipality. Gotcha. You know, some of the exceptions, um, one that comes to mind, you already did a podcast with Crystal Dads from the mm-hmm. Planning Codes Department, is uh, liquor laws and right. enforcement, right. which the county um, oversees that for the entire county inside and outside of municipalities. Okay. Okay. And then there's, uh, so you mentioned the liquor board, then there's other um, commissions or boards that are under planning and codes. Uh, The trades board comes to mind. Is that also countywide? So the construction trades board, yeah, all of the boards, with the exception of liquor board, are countywide, do not include the municipalities. Okay, so liquor is the only one. Correct. Okay. Um, And so with when someone is looking, another thing that I hear sometimes from businesses or developers that are coming outside of the county, because most everybody knows that Caroline County doesn't operate water or sewer, that it's in the towns. The question is why? You know, we see some of our neighboring counties start looking into that and going out. Is that part of the comprehensive planning um, process that we talked about at the last podcast? Or is that a matter of just uh, magnitude and geography all of the above (laughs) we have a the county the total population of the county is about 33,000 a little over 33,000 and the majority of the dense population is in the town so providing water and sewer services to fairly sparse areas gotcha it's hugely expensive you know obviously the longer the distance of the service lines the higher the cost and when you're servicing 10 or 20 properties mm-hmm. it's just exponentially unaffordable so right. part of that is is landscape and and development patterns and part of that is driven by the comprehensive plan where we have goals saying you know we want to maintain the county's rural character we want to focus growth towards where there's existing infrastructure um, outside or in in towns and and growth areas around towns are potential areas for extending water and sewer services. So those are designated in the municipal comprehensive plans for future potential gotcha. growth. Um, and then the county has rural villages priority funding areas. Okay, which are I think began probably one or 200 years ago is little crossroads areas that yeah. people kind of clustered around and you can you know Bethlehem is one, Williston. Um, Harmony that aren't incorporated areas, but they are where there is some clusters of houses. So as rural villages, and they are designated as priority funding areas by the state, and that the funding that is specified is for potential water and sewer. Gotcha. Should it get to a point where it's dense enough to be able to afford it. Gotcha. Um, okay. But right. So it's part of the goal. You know, we want to maintain rural areas and, and where water and sewer go, development tends to follow. So yeah. if the policy document says we really want to maintain these rural areas, then um, ipso facto, you don't extend water and sewer into those areas. Right. Right. Do you get into any uh, any of the other infrastructure, uh, permitting utilities, the broadband? Does that fall under planning and codes? For the most part, no. That okay. that does not fall under us. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're just really, when you're looking at infrastructure, roads, and you mentioned in the podcast, previous podcast, and I'll say again, you don't really look at, um, you don't do the work that you do for water and sewer for roads, correct? Like no. You, no planning or, or 
getting grants for a road or anything like no, that? No, I mean, we, we are involved in, you know, the transportation element of the comprehensive plan. And we, the extent of our involvement in, in roads is looking at uh, permit reviews for road entrances. Okay. And, you know, we've done, we've looked at dirt roads in the county and trying to figure out how to handle those going forward as part of the transportation element. Gotcha. Like, Okay. So that's more the Department of Public Works, the yeah. transportation yes. system, working with the county commissioners and the and the the, the roads plan mm-hmm. or transportation plan. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So that 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 input will feed into the the comprehensive plan. Um, so what are some of the challenges that you're seeing um, for planning for just you know growth in the county or? Uh, just generally, what is coming down the pike in your discipline, planning and zoning and code enforcement? I think a, a big push with this comprehensive plan and what follows the comprehensive plan will really be a comprehensive reform of our zoning code. Okay. We have um, housing issues in the county, affordable housing, where housing is, lo- where location-wise housing is located, um, that and and who is looking for that housing? Where do people rent apartments, or where do you have a rental in the county? That is a huge challenge in Caroline County. Um, accessory dwelling units uh, will be something that will definitely change code language um, to permit those more. That's something that's becoming more and more prevalent. That's a as a trend. Um, our zoning. We use, uh, not not to get into these kinds of terms, but I'm going to anyway, we use Euclidean-based zoning, which uh, is very, in some ways, I would say antiquated. It's very, you know, A, B, and C, and A and B don't blend. So it's commercial, industrial, residential, and there's no, not a lot of overlap. And that's not really how Caroline County works. Gotcha. And... In fact, even on a national scale, the trend is to move away from Euclidean zoning because that's not how we as Americans are doing things anymore. We have more mixed-use gotcha. zoning districts, so we are looking to really do a comprehensive overhaul of our entire zoning code after this comprehensive plan. So many of the inputs we have into the comprehensive plan, the feedback we get from people will play into that. So if it's not Euclidean, what is what would it be? So one of the things we're looking at, uh, it, it's called performance-based zoning. Okay. So the idea is that when you look at a property, you look more at the scale of what you want to develop there, what is surrounding that property, not so much with the specific uses. Okay. You know, so maybe a small business fits in an area where there is some housing or some schools or something like that, right. but a large business doesn't fit in that spot. Gotcha. So it's not commercial versus residential, it's size and scale. Oh, wow. I want to touch on that a little bit more because I, I don't know... I'm sure people who've been through the process have discovered that without having that name attached to it. But so the, this kind of, you said, antiquated way of saying A, B, and C, how long has this been looking been looked at to kind of change this to performance base on a, nationally? Is it something brand new in 2020s or? Really, I think starting in the 90s, because okay. Euclidean zoning, which is named not after the mathematician, but the town of Euclid, Ohio. Get out of here. Yes. <laughs> right? I was. Which I, I was guess trying. was named after 
the mathematician, but okay. um, but it's very much we're going to keep the industrial over here and we're going to put the residential over here and the commercial is going to be here downtown. So it was it was rigid, but it had a purpose and it's segregated everything and by use so that you didn't have um you didn't have kids riding their bikes. Well, I think it was transportation issues, yeah. right? Safety issues and um, you know, peaceful living. So, and it stayed that way for decades. And then really around, I want to say 80s and 90s, as industries changed and there were more women in the workforce and distanced work from home became a critical problem mm -hmm. that it, you began to see people adjusting so that it wasn't such a huge distance to get to work when you were living, you know, in, even in one town. Right. Trying to get from home to work was hard. So it all began to kind of blend a little bit back in the 80s and 90s. And uh, performance-based zoning did consider that compatibility. Uh, what is happening and what you want to do? And does that fit with what's surrounding what you want to do? Sure. So there is still some of that, you know, pay attention to what's going to be happening on that property and how that will impact surrounding properties. Mm -hmm. That's still considered but it's a lot more flexible now through uh, when you use performance-based zoning gotcha. um, and it tends to be used more often in urban areas than rural areas so that's another thing to look at you have to kind of adjust it to what your actual landscape is gotcha. and where you want things to happen in the future what you want to enable and what you don't want to enable is there typically a big pushback do you think on on shifting that kind of viewpoint of zoning in, in in other communities that you've seen make that shift? I think there you would still under performance based zoning have zoning districts. So you might still have a predominantly residential zoning district or a commercial zoning district. It's just the scale of other uses and compatible uses that are allowed that can also be placed it. there. Right. So many times some of the pushback we get from zoning changes from the community is a business going right next to a house. Right. And often, though, it is the type of business or the size of the business that is the concern, you know, not necessarily the fact that there is a business going next door. Gotcha. So. so I live in a community in the county. My neighbor decides that they want to do online shipping and receiving of small items, and it's just UPS driving up. Versus my neighbor decides that they want to warehouse those small Correct. items and it's the big trucks coming in and out. So that's kind of that distinction of use of you've got a business that's basically doing the same thing. It's warehousing and fulfillment business. It's that scale. Correct. And, and cons being considerate then for for the neighborhood. So that's fascinating. Isn't it? Uh, especially that it was named after a town and that. In Ohio. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, our time is up again. Thank you so much for coming back and talking with me again. Um, Kathleen Freeman is the Director of Planning and Codes for Caroline County. Leslie Grundon is Assistant Director that focuses on environmental planning and, and working to make sure that our waterways and our land is going to be safe and around for a long time to use safely. I appreciate you coming back in and talking with me. Thank you. Thanks. It was great. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Featured Insights and look for us on your favorite podcast platform.